So every year, we what we do is we take a very data-driven approach to this. So there is very little, if any, influence peddling that we work on. There is, I mean, there are people have offered us, you know, monetary rewards to be on the list, and we said no. We totally take a data-driven approach. And literally, it's what we do is we look at the different areas in which they have made their presence felt, right? So if I were to actually look at this year's, and it changes from year to year to some extent. You know, this year we actually added a new new category for for a rating score focused purely on the COVID strategy, right? Because that was not there a year, you know, the prior years. So one of the things that we added this year was how did they influence the COVID strategy during this pandemic and how did that, you know, positively impact people there. The topics and opinions expressed in the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4CY Radio, its employees or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability explicit or implied shall be extended to W4CY Radio or its employees or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4CY Radio. Welcome back, everyone, to the Geeks, Geezers, and Googleization Show, the home of Googleization Nation, where we talk with HR and business thought leaders about the crazy shift going on in the world of business, technology, and HR. Here's your host, Ira Wolf. Hello, Googleization Nation, and welcome back to another episode of Geek Skeezers and Googleization. I've been looking forward to this conversation for about two weeks. For those who are not connected with me on LinkedIn or social media or on any of our lists, you'll probably not know this. I I was honored and humbled to be selected to be one of the top 100 HR influencers by Engagedly. And joined by quite a few notables in the business, like Josh Burson in the HR industry, like Josh Burson, Angela Duckworth, who's the author of Grit, Adam Grant, who's the author of Rethink, Chris Dunn, Megan Biro. There's so many great people. Obviously, there's a hundred people, and I'm certainly honored and humbled to be, you know, part of that. So today we're going to be talking with the CEO and founder of Engagely, who has produced this list for the last five years. And his name is Sari Shalapa, and he'll be joining us in just a minute. Before we get there, there's a couple other announcements that I wanted to make sure we covered. First is tomorrow I'm I'm doing uh, my next webinar, which is August 12th at 1 p.m. We will be talking about your playbook for recruiting in the age of Googleization. Uh, we already have quite a few, a number of people signed up. I think there's a few seats left. We are capping the number. Uh, you can register yet. It's free by going to bit.ly forward slash RAG, which is recruiting in the age of Googleization, RAG playbook webinar. Uh, and this will be an interactive session. We're going to be focusing probably on how to make sure your website, how your career sites, website, job applications are Google ready. And and that's for anybody who's followed me knows that's a pretty big deal for me. And Google just released a new algorithm or a new requirement for jobs, which will be going live in the fall, just a few weeks away. So we'll be covering that and what you need to do to make sure your jobs get listed there and as well as anywhere else. And then next Tuesday, 
which is August 17th, I believe, at 11 a.m., we will I'll be doing another one of my Adaptability AQ webinars. We'll be talking about reimagining tomorrow, how to reimagine tomorrow. And there's a new link for that. I believe Roxy has that, which is reimagine the number two tomorrow. So reimagine number two tomorrow, bit.ly. And again, registration is free for that. Both of those presentations, to some degree, I will be doing a SHRM talent in two weeks and then in four weeks at SHRM annual, along with doing a Garden State SHRM conference, speaking to the conference board, talent acquisition council, a very, very busy fall, but I appreciate everybody being here as part of this. And we certainly want to thank Success Performance Solutions for being our sponsor for this episode. So let's, uh, let's without further delay, want to bring on uh, Sari Shalapa and from Engagedly, and Thank he you. is. Welcome, Tariq. Thanks, Ara. It's been a pleasure to be on the show with you. Yeah, you're, uh, I think you said you're in the Midwest, St. Louis. You got your, your ball cap on there. So I, I know. That's the name of the game these days, working from home, right? Yeah, absolutely. Wherever you're working, it's still important to have uh, your favorite teams and something to root for. Uh, let's talk about this list. And again, I've got to thank you personally. It's the first opportunity we've had to talk. You know, I want to thank you. Certainly when I got that the email, I, I was, you know, I was humbled, especially when I went up and looked at the list of, of other people. And it was interesting. I actually was at a conference and Adam Grant, who was one of the people there, certainly popular. Many people know him from his TED Talks and, and other presentations. He was actually the keynote. He was the opening event. So I, he, it was my warm up. He spoke and then I spoke right after him. It was great. But you have a lot of notables, a lot of names I certainly look up to as my mentors that I follow. But let's talk a little bit about the background on that. Uh, this was the fifth year that you've done that. Is that correct? Yeah, it is the fifth year. We actually started doing this, yes, exactly about you know five years ago. One of the things we realized is there hasn't been a comprehensive research done on the top influencers. And what we mean by influencers are people who are actually out there speaking about things and driving change within the people practice area, right? That through the, especially in the age of social media and virtual conferences and virtual podcasts and, you know, all the things that you do, we figured it was important to call out necessarily influencers who are actually influencing through those mass communication mechanisms that have really taken off in the last, you know, decade, if you will. And, and, and focus on that instead of just looking at, you know, academic research or people who are just publishing books or things of that nature. So that, that was the intent behind it. You know, us being in the HR tech space, you know, we, we felt it was a good way to recognize those people. And so we've been doing it for the last five years. I'm sure speaking for the other, the other 99 as well. I mean, every, everybody from the interactions that we've had has certainly been honored to be on that list and surrounded by by our peers and colleagues. How, let's talk about how you came up with it because that's pretty tough. I mean, there's a lot of people speaking, writing, consulting, writing books, you know, thought leaders, experts. There's, there's a lot of noise out there as well. How do you, what was your process to cut through that? Yeah, so every year we, what we do is we take a very data-driven approach to this. So there is very little, if any, influence peddling that we work on. There's, I mean, there are people have offered us you know, monetary rewards to be on the list. And we said, no, we totally take a data-driven approach. And literally, it's what we do is we look at the different areas in which they have made their presence felt, right? So if I were to actually look at this year's, and it changes from year to year to some extent, you know, this year we actually added a new new category for, for a rating score 
focused purely on the COVID strategy, right? Because that was not there a year, you know, the prior years. Right. So one of the things that we added this year was how did they influence the COVID strategy during this pandemic and how did that, you know, positively impact people there. So typically we look at, you know, the we actually look at the, the variables. We look at it's the recency, how recently they have been working on different areas and social and books and publishing, you know, authoring different things, things like that. And how often are they doing that? So there's a frequency aspect to it as well. We also look at the social media presence, the followers and social media and different, you know, like Twitter and LinkedIn primarily. We don't really, you know, look at Facebook or any other social media for that matter at this point. And then we added a new category, as I said, for COVID strategy, you know, what was their stance and how did they influence the COVID strategy uh, for the people practice? And then you also look at, you know, people who run their own shows like you do, Ira, people who are speaking a lot in different conferences, you know, last year was mostly all virtual or have been publishing a lot of books or articles that are in reputed journals and magazines. And then one area that we look at also, which is kind of different is any new innovation or the innovative approaches they've taken, right? So that was important, obviously, you know, in this era of you know, virtual workforce, innovation was actually very key in how we are innovating our concept of workplaces. Mm -hmm. uh, so obviously we took big variable of, of rating people in that. And last but not least, we wanted to make sure that we covered our you know, diversity and inclusive initiatives. And we added you know, a few extra points for, for the diverse diversity as, aspect as well. So that's basically how we look at it. You know, it's a weighted score. I'm not going to give you the full formula, but it's basically based on these variables. We look at, you know, different, you know, scores and mm -hmm. how the people did, and then we come up with the top 100. We typically start off with about a list of about four to 500 people. That's, that's, uh, that we do through an initial search. And I don't personally do this. Obviously we have a team that does it every year. You know, we, we hire, not hire, we actually have a summer interns from, we actually partner with Washington University for that. So we have interns from there and, and, and our, our research team that works together with them to build this model out. Initially, I mean, you've done this for five years. So there's a couple of questions I have with that. Why did you, you know, what prompted you uh, six years ago to say, this is important to recognize HR influencers. What was the incentive to initially do that? Yeah, you know, there were there was already a list that was sorting around in the HR tech space that HR tech does an influencers list in the HR tech space. But HR tech by itself, I don't think does justice to the overall people practice and the overall management practice involving people. And we didn't see any list that was there. And most of the lists were really focused on top 10 and top 20. And it's the same people who appear every year in that same list. I think the practice is big enough that it warrants a much bigger list. You know, if I would say it's probably worthy enough to have maybe even 200 or 300 people, but then I don't want to dilute the, the value of, of, of you being on the list. But so that was the initial motivation for doing, doing something like that. The other one was to really, you know, this helps us too in many ways, right? One, obviously it gets our name out there mm -hmm. from a marketing brand perspective, but it also helps us really understand what research is really happening out there. Who are these true influencers? What are they saying? Because we can take those learnings ourselves in the way we develop our product and our services to our clients as well. So there's a lot, it's really more of, of give and take and not just, you know, one way to do it purely for marketing purposes. And a lot of the other lists are being done, you know, I would say more, more from a marketing perspective, you know, we obviously take a little bit of a balanced approach of marketing as well as actual research and, and influence these people have. I would think that from the first list, uh, and, and 
briefly looked at it. I wanted to be able to go back and frankly, it just fell off my preparation table. Going back to the very first list of 100, what are, in addition, last year you said you introduced COVID, what people were doing and talking about COVID. But what other trends have you seen? What's changed from the first list through 2021? I mean, first list was focused a lot around technology innovation. You know, I think that there was a really big adoption of digitization of people practices and people processes. So there was a lot of, in, you know, impact from that, that, uh, you know, factored into the list, you know, that's obviously, you know, people like Josh Person and Alan Grant have been big proponents of that. They've been in this list, I think, pretty much every year at this point because of the vast influence they have. But I think the last year was very interesting. You know, we there were few themes that really stood out that was changing. One was obviously the virtualization of workforce, work from anywhere type of approach. Mm-hmm. And then how are people, managers adapting to that and moving to that model while still actively engaging the workforce and getting the productivity they need as an organization to be successful. So that obviously was a big factor that really changed. It was a big shift. And a lot of the talks and articles and you know social media posts were really focused around, around, around that in the last year. So that, I think, was a big one. The other big one, which you know has been undercurrent for the last, I would say, I don't know how long, for maybe, you know, a hundred years, maybe, right, is the whole diversity and inclusion and Black Lives Matter aspect of, of, of the workforce. Last year, it really came to the surface, right, with the whole Black Lives, Lives Matter movement. And there was a lot more talk about diversity and inclusion, a lot more t- talk about, you know, equity, a lot more talk about, you know, making sure that we focus also a lot on, you know, income equality and opportunity inequality and things of this nature. So we saw a lot of movement in that, a lot of big organizations taking very bold steps against the, I would say, against the politics that was prevalent at that time, and even now to some extent, which was actually, you know, very, very heartening to see that the private sector taking the leadership in that space versus the government sector taking leadership in that space. Mm -hmm. I think that was a big factor in it. And so one of the things that we noticed this year is that the diversity and inclusion category of the influencers is actually the biggest we've ever had. It's one of the biggest next only to, I believe, leadership. So, so that was another big one. The other, you know, so when I talk about virtualization of workforce and all of that, you know, one of the things that actually came from that is really the, the wellness aspect at work. So there was a lot more talk around employee wellness, psychological safety, mm-hmm. you know, belonging in the workforce, having a sense of purpose, because those things became really important when you're not seeing your colleagues on a daily basis. Well, I think you answered this question because my other question, what surprised you most when you went down the list? And hopefully, hopefully you're not going to say my name showing up as being the biggest, as being the biggest surprise. But so you mentioned diversity, inclusion, you know, names like one of my buddies is Torin Ellis. I've interviewed him a couple of times and, you know, certainly a huge, you know, vocal proponent and, and need to be. Were there any other, were there any surprises that you saw? Not individuals necessarily, but that just. You had to take a step back and say, is, is our formula working? You know, there's no way to tell if the formula is working or not, because there's always some aspect of subjectivity involved in any, anything like this, right? I think one of the things that really did stand out is that we typically have a lot of repeats from last year because they're the same people who are really public out there. But this year, more than half or almost half thereabouts are first timers, which is kind of unusual because the last year, I think we only had about one third or less as first timers. So there were a lot more vocal voices out there, 
lot more people taking leadership positions and being more vocal about it, writing articles about it, being on you know podcasts and other type of you know, media out there. So that was a big one. The other big one, as I mentioned, is DEI, you know, the diversity and inclusion. You know, that was the biggest category, one of the biggest categories this year. It's typically been a very small category in the last uh, few years. So I think that was uh, another big, not necessarily a surprise. I think it's anticipated given the environment we are in right now. I would say that was a big change. The only other surprise I wouldn't necessarily know about call a surprise or not is, you know, and this is unfortunate, I will, I will say, and I say this as a male, is that women, big majority in the people practice, generally speaking. Mm -hmm. But if you look at actually the people out there writing articles and talking about things, the men are the large majority there, you know, doing the social media and, you know, you and I being on this call, for example, right? And so that, I think, is starting to shift. I see more and more women taking, you know, more public positions and, and actually being out there promoting themselves. And I think that's very heartening to see. Uh, this year, we had almost a 50-50 breakup between men and women. Mm. Last couple of years, it was actually around 40% women. The first year we did it, it was like maybe 30% women, you know? Tech would be the case. I'm sorry? I said if it focused on tech, HR tech, that would be the case. because if, Yes, if it was focused purely on HR tech, that would be the case. Yeah. Right, and since we are looking at a more broader spectrum of the people practice, I think we are seeing a lot more equity in in the different demographics out there you know including people of color as well you had a crystal ball in front of you do you see any categories popping up this year that don't exist or or do you see this you know, the same trend that diverse dei is really going to grow and and you know what other categories do you see you know we try not to make too many categories to be honest but that being said you know i do see the whole virtualization of workforce mm -hmm. as a category. I don't know exactly what I'm going to call it yet, but I do believe there is a category that I do believe needs to stand out because I don't think it's a fad. I actually believe that this is the trend Absolutely. that is that is not going to reverse. This virtualization has, has, you know, we've been always a fairly virtual company ourselves. Engagedly, you know, we have offices in four countries and employees in probably, you know, 10 different cities, but I think at this point, organizations, they want to hire the best talent wherever they are. And they want to hire that. I mean, as long as there's not a huge time difference or, the, or a huge language gap, you know, they're hiring people in different countries and different, even in different languages, depending on the role. I think it's, it's actually truly flattening out that, that ecosystem of workplace. I think that I do believe there's a category that should be mentioned for that next yeah, year. Well, well, the world is flat. Tom Friedman's book is 20 years old. So, right. Yeah, right. He's going that then. But at that point, it was more, I would say the mold was more connected. Yeah. Now, I think we are, we are at a point where it's truly, truly flat. I mean, looking at all of the technologies that we have now to be able to converse, you know, this was unthinkable 10, 15 years ago. So know the list. And, and again, I want to thank you for being on it and doing it, being on, recognizing, you know, whether I was on it or not, recognizing these people because it, it, they really deserve it. They really do. Your day job, you know. Engagedly. So let's talk about Engagedly for a few minutes. What do you guys do? You know, what solutions you're solving? Yeah. So Engagedly, you know, obviously is actually a real word, believe it or not, to be actively engaged in your, in your work. And that's very, you know, the motivation behind the platform was, you know, I came from Big Five Consulting and in my, you know, 20 years of consulting work prior to this, I noticed that a lot of the organizations, you know, were 
missing out on their on their good talents because they were not actively engaged or there was a lot of you know empire building going on and the managers were being very protective of their people and not letting them go outside their cocoon if you will so there's a lot of aspects around that that was causing i believe suboptimal performance of, of an organization because you're not really harnessing the true potential and and realizing the true motivations of an employee in an organization. So Engagely was really created to bridge that gap. You know, how do you align organizational strategy to people processes so that they're both actively aligned? So even, even today, many organizations do performance reviews that are kind of disconnected from business strategy. You know, the performance <laughs> reviews are done on, on, you know, on different competencies or, or different behaviors, which is great. You know, I think that's important, but I would say that's not enough because what we really need to do is to connect that to business outcomes through goals and OKRs and then actively drive development through that process as well for, for employees because they want to grow. One of the biggest reasons people leave, as you know from all the research, is because they are not learning and growing. They are not getting new opportunities. You know, I think surfacing that because it's beneficial to both, right? And I think so our platform is really built to connect those different pieces through various different tools. Obviously, our platform is only as good as the people who, who actually end up using it. So the culture has to change at the top. So mm-hmm. our platform is not the panacea for those gaps, but that's our, our um, approach to solving that problem. You know, as, as you're talking there, and, and certainly when you talk about performance reviews, and I know there's a whole movement out there to, I won't say get rid of performance reviews, get rid of the annual performance review. And right. really it needs to be ongoing, you know, through mentoring, coaching, giving daily feedback. And, and there's certainly a lot of changes there, but there's still so many get calls, you know, especially as we enter the end of the year. You have, you have a cop, do you have a performance review we can copy? Do you have software? You know, how do we do it? Some people are thinking that you're going to do a multi-rater feedback, which I know that's not what it was designed for. It wasn't designed to make it easy to go, hey, three, see, other people say the same thing I'm doing. You're not doing a good job. You know, so often that that's where it's done. But, right. you know, most of my time on the front end, I mean, getting people into the funnel, not, you know, not keeping them there and not that's not my focus. And, you know, employment brands are is the company culture is disconnected from the employment brand. And the hiring process, you mentioned people are evaluated on competencies that aren't aligned with the strategic goals of the company. Well, well, people get hired on skills that are required to get hired, which don't necessarily get, aren't the ones being evaluated at performance review. And right. the ones being evaluated at performance review don't align with the goals of the company. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 That's what I mean, that's what, that's what Engagely does. It works on having, I won't say a seamless process, but having a continuous that whoever you hire is being evaluated on the, on the goals that'll help grow the company, not just to get a job. Right. Here's the bottom line. A year is too long to wait to have a performance discussion. Oh, absolutely. It's just too long. In today's day and age, it's, it's, no. it's like, you know, no, I believe that we should all be talking about performance on an ongoing basis, on a, on a weekly, bi-weekly basis and that's why the goals and okrs and check-ins very important in that sense you know organizations whether they use a tool or not i do believe needs to do a manager to employee one-on-one on a weekly basis it could be a simple zoom call if you're virtual or one-on-one in, in person and it needs to be effective too you know so you need to talk about things that actually are, are impactful not just talking about the weather which is important to do in some aspects but you know you want to talk about okay here are your goals that we agreed that we need to do because this is the organizational goal you know how are you doing towards that and what can I do to help you be successful? 
right? The conversation is really from that manager's perspective is how do I remove the impediments that the employee or the team faces that they can they can remove? And that that's the performance conversation that's happen, that should be happening ongoing and not waiting six, nine year to say, hey, we had these four goals and I noticed that you didn't do any of them. And that's because the company's priority shifted, the person's, you know, the team's priority shifted and they started working on something else. And now you don't really have any way of connecting all of that an organization you do the annual review so that's that's a big challenge you know and i think that's why the, that's why it needs to change i do believe i will say i'm not necessarily opposed to an annual review right i think you should and you could still do that and that's really recapping all the discussions you had throughout the year but i i think it shouldn't be mistaken saying hey that's all i need to do because i need to check the box as an hr or to check the box as a manager so I, my job is done on that you know let's move on yeah. and for anyone listening out there and i know you can find there's a number of people out there that have been strong advocates of getting rid of the annual review because it was only done once a year. And then the only reason it was done, it was either done because an attorney legal counsel said, oh, you should have a review in case you want to get rid of somebody. And the other, right. the other problem was, is, oh, this gives us, this is our documentation for salary increases. Right, you know, exactly. Who gets the bigger one. And and so it's not that the annual review was bad. It's, it was the annual review, how it was used was bad, but you're absolutely right. You can't do it. You can't give people feedback once a year and, and, and you have a manager accumulating a lot of cheat sheets, you know, and then he, a lot of little notes and sticky notes throughout the year. And then you get this gift at the end of the year. Well, six months ago, I saw you do this. Yeah, so just just ineffective. We are we're getting a little short on time here, so I want to be sensitive to that. And I know you got the, you know a lot of things to do as well. Yeah, we're talking about certain subjects. Yeah, what kind of companies are you know? We have a lot, we have listeners. We have small. We have consultants. We have small mom and pop shops. We've got enterprise that is listening to this. What's your sweet spot? Who's who's engagedly you know good solution for? Good solution for you know I so. The answer to that question is is kind of a, I want to say warm and fuzzy. It's like the organizations that really care about people. Every organization says, yeah, we care about people. But really do you? What are your processes that show that you care about people? And I think those processes that actually show that they care about people, I think those are the organizations we, we work really well with. Organizations that care about recognition, organizations that care about employee well-being, they care about having a open, transparent, relationship between the management and their employees and mm-hmm. having weekly conversations with them where employees are not afraid to speak up, where they're 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 open to give feedback to their their own leaders without having, you know, fear of repercussions. Those are the organizations that we work really, really well with. And typically, you know, from a size perspective, anywhere from 100, 150 employees all the way up to 5,000 employees is a good fit for us. Yeah. Okay. You know, we work with a lot of companies that have 10 and 15 and 20 employees. And sometimes the solutions are, it may be good, either you need an X amount of number of employees to make it effective or just the budget knocks it out. So that that small, medium size, you know, business is is our sweet spot too. So I understand that. How can people get a hold of you, Sri? So obviously you can find me on LinkedIn. That's probably the best way to get hold of me. My first initial last name at engagedly.com, schalap at engagedly.com is a way to get hold of me directly. Or you can email sales at engagedly.com. It goes to everybody in the sales team and it also items also get copied. So there's multiple ways of way to contact me directly. Obviously, you can visit engagedly.com to learn learn more about our our point of view on on people practice and learn about our solution. 
things. Well, I really appreciate you being here and taking the time. And again, I, I got to personally thank you for one is having the list. I am honored and really humbled to be part of that, especially associated with so many other good people. It is my goal to be to make next year. So it's an incentive to, to keep, keep up my influencing. Not, not Obviously, I can't pay you. Influencing is is what we're trying to do. There's there's so many things that need to be changed and we need to do it quickly. There's an urgency to it for, for everyone. So I do appreciate that. And personally, I'd love to set up a chat with you. I'd love to learn a little more about Engagedly. I think there's Absolutely. some ideas there and some there's, there's another strategic partner that I'm working with that I think would be a good connection for you. So we'll uh, we'll have to take care of that. Awesome. Well, thanks a lot, Ira. I really, really appreciate it. And congratulations one more time for making the list. Thanks very much. Appreciate it. Take care. Stay safe. What a pleasure. Very enjoyable conversation. And uh, again, I got to thank Sheree Shalapa for joining us for creating that top 100 influencer list uh, and the recognition. And again, I believe I speak for all 100 people who were identified on that. I really appreciate the opportunity to be recognized for that. Sometimes it gets lonely out there. We do we do a lot of speaking, talking, writing, authoring, podcasting, webinars, and uh, sometimes the feedback. Everybody's busy and sometimes we don't get that. We are going to take a short break. We're going to hear from our sponsor, Success Performance Solution. And when I come back and talk about a couple issues that are near and dear to my heart, just for the last segment there, and also reminders of how you can sign up for the next webinar. Stay tuned. We will be right back for the Geek Skeezers and Googleization Show. A lot of you might be feeling like you're standing in deep shift, but do you know what grows and rises out of deep shift? Opportunity to successfully navigate the shift to the new normal. Each of us must learn to rapidly adapt to the speed of change. Some of us are hardwired for this. Others, not so much. That's where Success Performance Solutions can help. Success Performance Solutions is now your AQ headquarters. Whether you are personally struggling with the next chapter in your career or wondering how ready your team is for fast, disruptive change, RAQ Assessment and Coaching will provide you a detailed, scientifically-backed roadmap to guide you into the new normal. Optimize your adaptability today. Contact Success Performance Solutions about evaluating your team's change readiness or joining our upcoming AQ Masterclass. Visit SuccessPerformanceSolutions.com or call us at 800-803-4303. Welcome back, everyone, to the second segment of our Geek Skeezers and Googleization show. Again, I want to thank Sri Chalapa from Engagedly, also a company that released. They do an annual survey, the not a survey, but an annual list recognizing the top 100 HR influencers. And we just had a nice chat about that. I encourage you to go up to the Engagedly.com site and uh, check it out. And truly humbled from by being on that list, but you'll notice, you'll notice a number of other very, very recognizable names. I wanted to talk about today is a couple things. Just a reminder that our next webinar is tomorrow, August 12th at 1 p.m. We'll be talking about your playbook for recruiting in the age of Googleization as recruiting playbook for recruiting in the age of Googleization. We're going to be focusing on Google. There's a couple of Google's rules that companies just don't comply by and and jobs are job postings aren't showing up they're not getting if they don't show up high on the if they don't show up at all then job seekers don't see them which is not good these days with with the number of job openings in fact new new record a number of job openings was just announced yesterday 
it's almost 11 million job openings. That's almost 4 million more than, than when it was just about a year ago at the peak of, of the economy right before COVID. And that was, that was a record. So we, we have a lot of job openings, unemployment rates following, which means there's few and for people looking for a job, and it's going to get a lot more difficult. So we're going to be talking about recruiting in the age of Googleization, but specifically about how Google's algorithms you need to do to be able to show up on Google. And the reason on Google, because people may say that well, we use Indeed and we use ZipRecruiter. We really don't use Google. Well, everybody else follows Google's rules eventually. The other thing is 75% of job seekers start their search on Google. They may, not, they may end up on other job boards to actually apply or your career site, but the way that they actually start their search is whether they're sitting in an office, they're sitting in their cubicle, they're sitting at home, they decide it's time to look for another job, they pull out a smartphone or a tablet, and the first thing that they do is they go to Google to see what type in jobs near me, customer service jobs near me, or server jobs near me, or computer engineer job near me. And, and that takes them to all these other places. So if you're not showing up in the Google search engine, which many, many companies are not, or they are, they're so the rankings are so poor and so low that ultimately you have to spend a lot more money on sponsored ads and you have to have to end up buying a lot of technology that isn't necessarily going to help if you don't go some of the basic rules. So we're going to be talking about that tomorrow. For those who aren't registered yet, the link is bit.live forward slash RAG playbook webinar, RAG play webinar. If you can't make it, please register anyway, because there will be a replay and you'll be able to get that. Uh, also looking at doing that as a regular series, there will be a subscription model for that. Uh, but hopefully in September, we're going to have small classes. We're going to meet once a month and really focus on some of the, the intricacies and some of the trends that are happening in recruitment. Uh, so we're looking for a groups of people to be able to register for those. Next webinar is next Tuesday, August the 17th. That one's at 11 a.m. And we're going to be talking about reimagining your tomorrow. It's about adaptability. And we'll be talking the importance of grit and resilience and mental flexibility, which helps deal with cognitive dissonance, which we have a lot of these days, the AQ, the adaptability mindset or growth mindset, and also on learning. So we're going to be talking a little bit about those abilities. But to put that in some perspective, I just wanted to share this because, and sometimes we need to make it relevant. People understand that, yes, we need resilience and we need to be more open-minded. We need to relearn unlearn some things that we used to do and we need to learn new skills. But that's in the abstract. But let me put this in perspective. We used, there's three, what I call the three immutable laws of, of the future of work, three immutable laws. One is exponential change. We're living now in an exponential curve. We're not living on a, a linear change paradigm, but we're now living in an exponential change. And what that means is we're going to be living Life is just going to continually changing a lot faster. You've heard me speak about VUCA before, V-U-C-A, volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. That's the world we live in, and we just have to get used to having unexpected things, perpetual uncertainty, or as I define the era we're living in as never normal. We need to become comfortable in living in an era of never normal. The other part is, is that we now live in a complex, not a complicated world, and yet we still have the same mindset that we used to have when things were simple. So let me quickly define simple, complicated, and complex, give you an analogy to that, and 
reason that adaptability, reason we need to reimagine tomorrow, the reason that we need adaptability skills is because of this transition from simple to complicated and complex. Simple, it's a cause and effect. If you did A, B happened. And for, for decades, for years, most jobs, most of, the, most of us, if we press this button, something else happened. If we did, if we did a task, something happened. Simple. There are still some simple things in our life, but as most of you recognize, there's not many. The next is complicated. And what complicated uh, is that there were patterns. Let me go back one one step. If we talk about simple is baking a cake. That's not even, uh, is baking a cake. So by the ingredients, we can follow the rules. And if we follow the steps and we pour in the ingredients and we mix them for the right amount of time and we bake them or let them cool or set up for the right amount of time, it works. But if we're trying to put together a big puzzle or, or build a model rocket, there are some patterns, but they're complex and we have to find the right pieces. Sometimes the pieces aren't readily apparent. Uh, it takes some thinking, but eventually you can create some rules, some algorithms, and this is where AI and, and automation comes in, for complicated tasks where there are repeated patterns. And once we figure out those patterns, we can make sense of that and we can create rules and processes. Or there are multiple components and we can pull that apart. So you may not be master at fixing an engine, but you might know how to change your oil or you by process of elimination, you can remove one part to see if that if that's the faulty part or you can add new part to see if that enhances it. But you can pull the components together apart or put them together. There's always a pattern. There's always a consistency and a a level of predictability. One of my friends described that as an efficient way of doing business. And it also, we can do it just in time. So in a just in time world, dealing with complicated facts were good. We needed skills and those skills were IQ. We needed some experience. We needed grit to keep going. It's got tough and we certainly needed some resilience. The problem is we need to live in a complex world. And what happens in the complex world, as we're experiencing now, sometimes multiple realities. David Houle, just two weeks ago, Geek Squeezers and Googleization talked about cognitive dissonance, is living in, in those multiple realities at the same time. We have groups of people who believe vaccinations and masks are the cure. Yet there's a whole for, for COVID but, and, and the pandemic. And then there's another group that believes that the vaccines are not tested yet and that they and uh, masking and vaccines take away our personal freedoms. I'm not going to get into which side is right, which side is wrong. The reality is there's, there's two, there's multiple groups that believe in both sides of that. How do you square those? How do we make sense of that? Talking about the political parties, talking uh, Going back to school, talking about something that we're all dealing with in HR, the hybrid workforce, the do you bring people back to work, do you have everybody go remote, uh, and all the variations in between. How do we make sense of that? And that that really requires, that's a complex argument because there is not going, everybody's looking for that one solution. Oh, if we go remote, that's it. If we come back to work, that's it. Or if we buy this technology, if we use Slack, if we give everybody a tuition reimbursement, everybody's throwing out solutions, but there is not, works for one company may not work for the other, or it's going to need to be adapted for that. And in a complex world, when we don't have that, we need really good critical thinking skills. We need to be 
we need to have grit because we need to keep going. We need to be resilient. We need to bounce back, but we need to have this, this ability to, to deal with cognitive dissonance. We need to have ability to understand that we're going to continue to experiment. We need to be highly curious. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to err, and we're going to learn from those. It's not giving being forgiving for making mistakes, but it doesn't necessarily mean we tolerate mistakes. The mistakes that we make are are helping us move on a pathway, as Adam Grant says, to get it right. Uh, each mistake we learn from, and it gets us one step for, further to get it right. So we, we need to have that willingness, that mindset. We want to be perfect. We're going to make some mistakes, and we're going to be tolerant, tolerant of those, and we're going to constantly be learning. But at the same time we're learning, we need to unlearn. And unlearning, Adam talks about it in the rethink mode, we, there's a lot of biases and assumptions that we had. Just two years ago, 98% of executives said that work couldn't work in their business. And now more than 50% say it can work more than 50% of the time. So there are biases and assumptions with Sheree Chapa. We were talking about the power and, and the shift uh, in diversity, inclusion, and equity. It took a giant leap forward. We still have a tremendous amount of work to do. If there are in order to solve that, we need to deal. We deal need to deal with the noise through cognitive dissonance. We need to understand. Everybody needs to understand. There's still going to be mistakes that are made, and we have to break all those assumptions and biases that we've collected. So that's what we're going to be talking about on next Tuesday's webinar. Reimagine tomorrow. Reimagine your your tomorrow today. And uh, hopefully you'll be there. And the web and the link for that is bit.ly forward slash reimagine number two tomorrow. Reimagine tomorrow, but number two in there. So hopefully you'll register. Th- and we'll be talking more about the five abilities and how that relates and how you can help your your employees and yourself reimagine your tomorrow. So, and at the end of the month, we don't have we don't have this available yet. We're going to be talking about another subject dear and dear to my heart. We're going to talk about how do we how do you need to realign your employment brand with your company messaging and your company culture. And Alcini is going to be we're going to have a conversation. Al and I are going to have a conversation. And Al again was another guest on Geek Skeezers and Googleization just a few months ago. We're talking about the brand and culture alignment. How, how do you do that? And with employment brand being more critical than ever, that's going to be incredibly important. So those are a couple of big events that are coming up. There'll be more in the fall that we're going to launch. And hopefully uh, you'll you'll continue to listen, be part of our audience of Geek Skeezers and Googleization. I hope that you will go up to become a member of our community, which is Googleization Nation. It's free to join and you'll get periodic emails about events, updates, webinars, other trends, some tips that we're having, looking for ways to expand that. Googleizationnation.com. You can go to that. It's very easy. We just need a name and an email and you'll be ready to go. Until next week, I want to thank everybody for being here again. Thanks for being a listener. Thanks for sharing that. Our, I was looking up some stats and our listenership, our downloads literally went up 100% over the last few weeks. So we got to thank our guests for being here and, and, and allowing us to get the message out. And I want to thank everyone here for certainly listening and spreading the world word. Until next week, don't let the shift hit your plans. 